All right. Uh, good evening. I hope everybody's had a a nice, cool week. Whoo, man! I tell you what. Uh, depressing when you get in in your vehicle and uh, it says you know 107 uh, or 15 or whatever it may be. But uh, yep. But it's that time of year, right? So uh, no biggie. But it's great to see everybody here. We got the air conditioner on, so nobody's uh, about ready to pass out. So we should be good to go. Um, but let me open this up in prayer tonight, and uh, we're going to get going. We a lot to cover, um, and um, I'm excited about it. Trying to keep it all squared in the in the in the head's been a challenge, but that's okay. So uh, just think about. I know we have a lot of health issues going on. Uh, just you know, uh, some older parents and some you know some failing health and and some surgeries coming up and things of that nature. So. If y'all would, just kind of think about it for a second. We'll lift them up, and then we'll kind of stand in agreement together, okay? Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, as, as we come to you tonight, we sit here and bringing in a lot of stuff, Lord, and... Uh, not that any of that catches you off guard. You, you, you know exactly what's going on. And each one of these situations that maybe we've, we've lifted up to you tonight, Lord, there's sickness and, and just, just declining health issues and, and, and just probably some depression and, you know, just family issues, just life. It's life, Lord, but we just ask that you, uh, that you let us feel your presence uh, within these situations, that you give us guidance, Lord, that, that we understand and we hear, Lord, and we just pray that we want to pray for each other, that your will be done, but that your will be revealed uh, so we know how we're supposed to, uh, to act, Lord. Uh, Lord, tonight as we look into the Scripture, we ask that you help us to understand, Lord, uh, that we know that uh, time is drawing close and uh, that you've given us a plan and that what we have to do is go in and and search it out, uh, and it's there for us. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so uh, I know it's been a few weeks. I know Brady did a phenomenal job with apologetics, and matter of fact, it was so good that he convicted me to go back and clean up all my files. Uh, I was trying to find stuff the other night uh, with his uh, one minute. Uh, he was giving us one minute to answer questions, so I went back and spent hours cleaning up files on uh, PowerPoints and keynotes. But... Uh, just awesome stuff, and it, and it really ties in. And so preparing you, we've been in Ezekiel 38. If you want to go ahead and give the first uh, slide, Tom, whenever you can. Uh, that's tonight, uh, is the beginning of birth pains. Is going to be the kind of the, uh, uh, where this is going to start. Who knows where it's going to end. Um, that's where we're going to start. And if you want to go ahead and turn to Matthew 24, we'll get there in just a second. But you know, I was been I've been looking through Ezekiel, and we we got to you know remember we went through and we talked about the whole coalition, and then we went back and we we talked about verse four, and it talked about the 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 hooks and the jaw, and we're gonna we're gonna get back there uh, tonight hopefully, but as I was kind of preparing, uh, I get a I get an email at school, and uh, it's from Gary, and he says, hey, uh, take a look at this, uh, and tell me what you think, and so. Uh, so all of a sudden, I, I read this article, and all of a sudden, it's got me going all over the place. 
okay? So uh, we're going to talk about that tonight. But then that's what, what spurred that on with me was that, okay, all right, we, we need to go back and look at some things to help us understand where we're at in time. So if y'all would look at Matthew 24, 5 and 8. I believe I read this the last time, but, you know, it's awesome to read it again. This is 5. It says, For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. You know, think about that. Not troubled. Don't be troubled over what you're hearing. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations will rise against nations and kingdom against kingdoms. And there will be famines, pestilence, and earthquakes in various places. All of these are the beginning of sorrows. Uh, So, you know, when we first started talking about prophecy, there was one thing that that, that hopefully I introduced to you was the, the idea of the convergence of sign. And what that means is convergence of sign is not one sign, it's all these signs that are kind of pointing at the same place. And so uh, when, we, when we look at prophecy right now in the world today, that's what we have to look at, is everything that is going on. And so we're going to go back a little bit, and I'm going to talk to you, in the last 30 days, what has happened in the world has just been absolutely crazy. Um, you know, it talks about wars and rumors of wars. Well, obviously, we talked last time about Syria and what's going on there. You know, the saber rattling, uh, once again, with, with North Korea and then what's going on in Russia. And, I mean, just on and on and on. There's so many rumors, right, that, that there's issues. I just heard, uh, I guess, you know, the, the, the Chinese have moved a bunch of troops down on the Hong Kong border. Okay, and so uh, there's just a lot going on. And so it tells us that wars and rumors of wars, people are speculating that war was going to happen. All right. Uh, I heard uh, uh, a couple of people say, and they're not really people that I pay a whole lot of attention to, but just throwing stuff out because it says rumor, right? They're saying that they believe there'll be a major Middle East confrontation within the next 12 months. Well, it's already there. They're already having the confrontation. It's just we're not, we don't hear a lot about it. So that's, that's wars. All right. Back in July, I think it was July 1st or 2nd, you know, we had an earthquake in Southern California that was 6.4. All right. But the ironic thing that happened was three days later, they're not really calling it an aftershock, but it was an aftershock that was 7.1. And aftershocks are never supposed to be greater than the original, but it was. And it was in kind of a desolate place, but still, okay? So, so you had that. And then, you know, they're claiming that there's going to be thou- potentially thousands of aftershocks based off of this. All right? And then all you have to do is go back into the middle of June, and we can see all the flooding that transpired. You know, just catastrophic, and I was actually out there in Arkansas and at the end of it, but you could still see, uh, you know, really not so much, I didn't really see the devastation, but you just saw the potential, you know, because we all know the strength of water and what it can do, and, and we know that so many people, you know, lost so much during that time. Then, back in the spring, uh, there was a historic event that happened. In a, in a span of 12 days, we had 224 tornadoes that touched down in the Midwest in a 12-day period. All right. So when we see this stuff, it's you know we all hear historic, historic, historic. Well, it's just a sign. It's just it's one more thing that kind of tells us that hey, when he tells us uh, here that you're going to see famine and pestilence and earthquakes. All right. Uh, we know that you know in so many of these countries that uh, around the world that famine is 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 just running rapid. No, they can't they they, they can't even uh, feed their own people. You know, China is one of those is one of those countries that's really struggling. So when we look at Matthew 24, and you got to remember, this is Jesus telling his disciples 
when the end was coming. All right? But then 8 tells us that all these things are just the beginning. It's the beginning. And so as we kind of take a quick glimpse back, then I'm going to get to what happened to me last week. So Gary sends me this, and I read it. And um, before I tell you exactly what it is, we had a, we had a date that happens. It was Saturday night through Sunday night called the 9th of Av. In the Jewish calendar, that is a very significant date. Av is A-V, the 9th of Av. <clears throat> there is a day of remembrance that the Jews have called Tisha B'Av. That's the 9th of Av, okay? Tisha, T-I-S-H-A, B, apostrophe, Av, A-V, okay? Tisha B'Av. It's not really a holiday. It's just a day of remembrance because it is a day of mourning, but also a day of hope. And so I think it's really important for us to understand this because, of, of once again, it's another one of these signs that we see kind of moving in. Well, on the 9th of Av, the reason why the 9th of Av is considered a day of mourning uh, just, I'm going to give you just a few things that, 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 that in Jewish tradition happened during that time. Uh, on the 8th of Av, that was whenever Moses sent the spies into the promised land and they came back. And if you remember, they all came back talking about how horrible it was and how there was no way that they were going to be able to have any success other than two, right? Joshua and Caleb. And on the 9th of Av... They all asked to go back to Egypt, that they would rather go back to Egypt and be slaves than go face what they had seen in the promised land. Okay? That was the, the Israelites that asked that. That was on the ninth, of, the, ninth, the ninth of Av. The second one was the first temple in 587 B.C. was destroyed by the Babylonians on the ninth of Av. That was the day in which it was totally destroyed and they were sent into exile. All right? 70 AD on the 9th of Av is when the second temple was destroyed by the Romans. Now, at that point in time, the Jewish people believe, you know, nothing happens by coincidence. We're being told something here. And so it kind of clicked up on the radar. Because now we've got several events that have happened. And then we move on down through, and I'm not going to get into all this because this is just chasing rabbits, but there was a, a very large battle that was lost, uh, that the Jews had a false Messiah that was leading them. They thought he was the Messiah, and they got totally destroyed on the 9th of Av. Uh, there was, they were kicked out of England. Uh, the Jews were kicked out of England, uh, exiled out of England on the 9th of Av. I think it was 14th century or something like that. And then they were also kicked out of Spain on the 9th of Av. All right, so there's a lot going on in that one day that was very painful for them, okay? <clears throat> and so then we go all the way down, and, and kind of, you know, one of the big ones uh, was World War One uh, and Two. To, I did not know this, but the Jews really considered those two wars really one, that it never really ended. But both of them uh, were, uh, uh, war was declared on the 9th of Av, okay? Uh, Germany declared war on Russia on the 9th of Av, and we know, you know, the pains that they went through. So what I tell you all this? Well, the 9th of Av is, is a day of fasting. They fast. Uh, they lament, uh, which is just feeling sorrowful, okay, with regret. They pray. All right, and then they read, and this is where I'm going, they read the book of Lamentations. 
All right, that's what they do. They get in the synagogues and they read this book. Well, this book is really all about the destruction of the temples for the most part. All right, but then there's this one verse, okay? If you go to Lamentations 5.18, okay, it's the book just right in front of Ezekiel. All right, I want to read this to you. Yeah, this is Lamentations 5.18. Now remember, the ninth of Av, or yeah, the ninth of Av was Saturday and Sunday of this past week. This past week, okay? Just remember that. So let me read 18 for you. It says, because of Mount Zion, okay, and that's where the temple stood, which is desolate, which foxes, I mean, with foxes walking about on it. Okay? You read that and you go, what does that mean? Okay, I, I said the exact same thing. That's why I, I, got, I deviated and I've spent the last several days studying this. So we have this because of Mount Zion, which is desolated, okay, with foxes walking about on it. Wednesday of, either Wednesday or Thursday of last week, for the first time in history, there was 12 foxes playing on the Temple Mount. Okay? 12 foxes. You can, go, you can actually see them. I was going to bring the video. All right? But it caught a lot of people off guard. Okay? Because now I, wanna, I, wa I want you to understand what I'm, what I'm getting ready to say. Uh, there is some prophecy by Zechariah that's in the Talmud, which is not the Bible. Okay? I want you to understand that. But the Talmud is basically... Jewish writings that were written over 2,000 years ago that was really rules and regulations and, and kind of the way that they did things, their beliefs and everything, okay? And he talked about that, this, that the foxes would be running around on the rubble, all right? Uh, and then that would, kind of, uh, that, would, that would kind of bring in the third temple, kind of a big deal, the third temple, the rebuilding of the third temple, all right? And so... What really caught me so off guard was that it happened just a couple of days before the ninth of Av, and the whole idea behind the ninth of Av is to read Lamentations, and that's where we see it. Now, folks, what does that mean? That's just that's God's word coming coming alive. That's what it is. You know, it's just something else. You know, we don't know the day, and we're not even going to try that. But what we do see is we're seeing, you know, all this stuff moving around and, and coming into play. All right? Uh, you can go ahead and go to, I, I guess I, I messed up. Go, go to slide two for me real quick. I'm sorry. Yeah, right there. That's the ninth of Bob. I guess I should have put that up. Okay? But it's a day of hope because they know that, the third temple will be built. Remember that they're waiting on the third temple to be built so they can start having sacrifices again. All right? But right now, the third temple, the Dome of the Rock, is occupied by Muslim authority. All right? Matter of fact, some, some rabbis were wanting just to go pray, and they wouldn't even let them go pray uh, on, 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 on that ground. So it's a very tense situation there in Jerusalem because... It's a very holy place, but yet there's no temple there, all right? And uh, actually, if you go and study, you can look at the, uh, I think it's the, the Temple Society. I believe that's the name of it, uh, or the Temple Project. 
uh, they have actually created a third temple out in the desert. Okay, all the stuff that they need, all right, to hold sacrifice, they've already recreated everything. It's all there, all right, and they're actually practicing. But it's not where? Where it's supposed to be, and there's no Ark of the Covenant. But they're still practicing, so they're ready. They're so ready to start uh, with um, sacri- I mean, doing the sacrifices. But that's not going to happen in the way the world is right now. Okay, so we've, we've got some more things that's got to occur before that happens. All right? We've been, we, we started talking a couple weeks ago about the, the, May, I mean, the Gog-Magog War. Okay? And the Gog-Magog War, uh, uh, in, in, from everything that I read and from the people that I respect so much, we believe the rapture of the church will happen either in conjunction with that or before that. Okay? The building of the third temple will not happen until after that. So if we see this stuff happening with the temple, then it tells us, it stands to reason, that the rapture of the church is prior to that. Don't know what that is, but we know that. All right? And so that's what it tells us. You know, when we talked last week, it tells us that, you know, you can discern the weather, but you can't discern the things I'm telling you. All right? Because we just don't pay attention to it. And I get it. I, I totally understand that. I totally get it. But that's not an excuse for us. What we have to do now is we have to get ready. Go ahead and go to three now. I'm sorry. So there it is. Uh, if you look down at Solomon 2.15, it says this, Catch us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, for our vineyards is in blossom. What is that saying? It's saying that the foxes are coming back in because it's starting to blossom again. If you know anything about Israel right now, Israel is blossoming big time. I've got into a whole bunch of uh, stuff last night on agriculture, okay, in uh, Israel and what's going on there. And how it has increased uh, over the last 10 years is crazy. It's phenomenal. They produce 95% of all the food they need, and then they export. They're one of the largest exporters of food on just such a small piece of ground, all right? And uh, so it's blooming. And so that's actually a picture of one of them, okay? Uh, <coughs> that was there at the Temple Mount. And so, once again, it's just, you know, another, another sign that things are, are headed in the direction that the Bible tells us it's going to head. You say, okay, that's great. Well, then we go back. We talked about Russia, all right? And I want to talk about that. Russia's had a really bad week. Really had about a, about a bad month. All right, I'm just going to give you a few things that's happened that you wouldn't know unless you really went digging. On July 1st, there was a fire in a nuclear submarine, okay? It killed 14 men, but five or three or four of the men, actually, they say, saved it from being a nuclear disaster. They stayed and fought the fire and kept it concealed before it blew up, okay? So that was one of their nuclear subs that just uh, uh, burned up you know, just a little over a month ago. On August 5th, you can YouTube this, and this is crazy, you need to YouTube this. There's an army depot in Siberia that exploded with 40,000 rounds of long-range artillery. The, The explosion looks like a nuclear explosion. It blows open the clouds. It is crazy. Uh, we were, uh, I was talking to Jeremy, and he, he had actually read about it, and the debris, the shrapnel fell nine miles away from the explosion. All right? Several people were killed there and uh, <coughs> really uh, was really misfortunate. Then, three days later, on August the 8th, 
Putin has claimed that he wants a nuclear-powered cruise missile. Not sure why you would need that, but uh, he wants a cruise missile that is nuclear-powered. And so on the 8th, they had never had, they've never had a successful test of any of the technology, okay? So that'd make you feel good as a scientist, okay? But they decided to test it when they did it blew up, all right? And uh, it's very hush-hush over there right now. It's in a very secretive place. People are calling it Chernobyl number two because the radiation that has been blown into the atmosphere. Uh, five or six men were killed instantly, but the whole surrounding area, everybody within the surrounding area had to take 11 drops of iodine to try to counteract the radiation. We don't know what that situation is right now. Uh, it's being very hush-hush, but that just happened just a few days ago. All right, why do we say all this? Because they are frustrated. They can't make anything happen in Syria. All right? Everybody's fighting everybody in Syria. Nobody knows who's fighting what. They know that if, they, if Syria falls, they're going to lose their ports, uh, their warm water ports into the Mediterranean. It's just crazy. And so, so what we see is Russia is at a boiling point. We talked about their, we talked about their economy uh, last time and how bad it was. And, you know, you got to remember, they were making, they're losing about $50 a barrel right now on oil. 60% of their GDP is based totally off of oil, and it's been cut in half. So you can imagine what that does to that country. All right? So they are in just this place of desperation. Just remember that word, desperation. All right? And uh, if you would, go to slide four, please. I didn't bring my pointer. On the far left, that was the nuclear sub. That was just a graveyard. On the far right, that was where the... the uh, uh, the mishap with the, 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 uh, the missile, and then at the bottom is the explosion from the Army, Army Depot, okay? So just wanted to give you, you know, I always like, I want to give you proof, not just talk about things. So then here we are, we have Russia that's dealing with that, and then here we go with big Iran, Persia. All right, Ezekiel 38. Iran, Iran's not having a good time of it right now. Every time Iran moves, Israel blows them up. Okay, that's what's happening. And Israel's come out and told them, said, you know, uh, it don't matter if it's in Syria, if it's in Iraq, or if it's in Lebanon. If you're there, we're coming after you. And they are attacking Iran, uh, I don't want to say daily, but weekly. Uh, and it's, it's massive what they're doing because Iran, their call is to destroy Israel. And so <clears throat> Netanyahu said, no, we are not going to let you get missiles in close enough to where it can harm us. We're going to take care of that. So as soon as they bring a truck across, we blow it up. Actually, we let them park a bunch together, and then we blow them up. Okay, that's what they do. Okay? And, uh, and so Iran is finding itself in this. It's always been in a place of desperation. Financially, its people are starving to death. They're actually having revolts and stuff in Iran. They're just keeping it hush-hush. All right, so you have Iran who is extremely frustrated with the situation that they find themselves in right now. And then the last one that we're going to talk about tonight uh, before we move on is Turkey. I didn't know this. Turkey is really fighting hard to get into the EU, European Union. But Germany will not let them because of this. If, if Turkey gets into the EU, the way that the bylaws are written in the, in the uh, EU, uh, your, your voting block is based off your population. Well, Turkey would instantly be the largest country in the EU. They got 83 million people. 
All right, now Ur- Erdogan has said that what he wants is he wants to bring back the Ottoman Empire and Sharia law. Okay, so if they allow, if they allow Turkey into the EU, guess what? They're going to start having to vote on that stuff, and they're going to start seeing that influence. All right? Well, over the last couple of years, Turkey has allowed 3.8 million people to immigrate out of Syria. 3.8 million. All right? And one crossing, they let 80,000 come in. They gave them total, they gave them total citizenship. Total citizenship. But now they're trying to blackmail the EU because they said, if you don't, we're going to open our borders and we're going to let them come into Europe. Okay? So you have Turkey that's in this desperate situation. We talked about what Turkey was doing uh, a couple weeks ago with the oil and gas. I, I, I talked about Crete and how they're, they're drilling off the coast of Crete. It's not their property. They're doing it off Greece, too. And, and the, you know, the, uh, uh, the UN comes in tells them that, that they shouldn't be doing that. Okay, like that's going to scare anybody, right? But yet they continue to do it. And once again, we, got, we see desperation that's occurring between the three big powers uh, that we talk about in Ezekiel 38. And so then it takes us, and the reason I was talking about that is because it takes us to this bit of prophecy that is found in Isaiah 17. If you want to go to Isaiah 17, this is really, this right here, most people believe is the trigger point for all of this uh, starting. <clears throat> Isaiah 17:1. it says this, The burden against Damascus. Behold, Damascus will cease from being a city, and it will be a ruinous heap. Okay? If you go back and if you look at Damascus 20 years ago, it was a very thriving place. It's considered one of the oldest uh, cities. They claim it's the oldest city in the world, but it's an ancient city, okay? It's an ancient city. It's been, it's been conquered many times and whatever, but it, you know, 20 years ago, not even probably that long, 15 years ago, I mean, they, it, there was Christians there, you know, they, everybody was kind of living, living their life, and then things have gone south over, the, over this, this last little bit. And so <clears throat> most people believe a lot of people I listen believe that when Saddam Hussein was in power and that everybody heard about the weapons of mass destruction, that they were sent in, in Damascus. The Israelis believe that 100%. That's where they're at. Okay? That it was sent to Damascus to get it out of Iraq so there would be no proof that it was in Damascus. We know that there has been chemical, that there has been chemical uh, weaponry used in Damascus. We know that. All right, Damascus, uh, Ashad was dropping chlorine bombs on top of his own people. It was just burning the skin off of people when they, when they would blow up, you know. And so uh, Damascus, what most believe is, is this, is that at some point in time, somebody's going to do something not very smart, all right, um, in Damascus to the Israelis, and then it's going to be on, all right. And the thought is this, uh, Amir says, you know, that... Um, that uh, Iran never misses an opportunity to miss an opportunity, okay? They do a great job of always making the wrong decision. And, uh, and so they believe that at some point in time, enough's going to be enough, and they're going to they're launch something into Israel. And when they do, Israel will, will respond. Now, if you go on and read in 17, I'm not going, but if you read on in 17, it will tell you this. 
that Damascus is going to be a ruinous heap, uninhabitable. Nobody can live there. So what does that tell us? Chemical, nuclear, something like that, okay? No doubt. But Israel's going to pay a price too. They're going to be wounded in it, okay? It's, they're, 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 it, it talks about, uh, there's, some, there's some real symbolism if, as you're going down through there, but it, it just talks about a, a little bit of a weakened state that happens uh, in Israel. But it will be a ruinous heap. And then, you got to understand, every player of Ezekiel 38 is in Damascus. All the bad guys are right there. All right? Uh, and they're there waiting. And so whenever that occurs, a lot of people believe that's the trigger that's going to send Russia on the move. Okay? Now, uh, let's go to, I believe it's the next one. Yeah. Look, Damascus is only 37 miles away from the Golan Heights. 37 miles. Not much of a drive, is it? Okay? All right? And so, obviously, any kind of missiles or anything like that, by the time they launch it, you'd have just a seconds, you know, for them to respond. And that's why the Golan Heights has always been so, so important to the Israelis, even though the Israelis have tried to give it back. But, you know, now Netanyahu said, we will never give it back. Okay? Because uh, Israel's pretty much indefensible without that. But that's how close we're talking about. You know, even if you have, if you had a nuclear situation that happened in Damascus, you would still have fallout and stuff that far away, 37 miles away, okay? So uh, it is a powder keg right there, right there in Damascus. And so most people believe that that is the fuse that will be ignited that starts uh, the Ezekiel 38 uh, war. Now, why? Why is Ezekiel 38 war what is the whole objective? All right. Well, let's go over to Ezekiel 38. And I'm going to kind of bounce around here a little bit, if that's all right. Let me, uh, I'm kind of going off the, um, all right, right here. Let's go down to, uh, go down to, let's just go to 12, I say. Uh, I guess we need to go back up to 11, actually. 11. You will say, I will go up against a land, unwalled villages. I will go to a peaceful people who dwell safely, all of the, them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates. Now, here's the key. Look at this now. Here's the key. To take plunder and to take booty. To stretch out our hand against waste places that are again inhabited and against a people gathered from the nations. All right, so remember, the Israelites were scattered, okay? It was a desert 40 years ago. And now the place is a green place, Israel. Okay, it's green. All right, so the attack that we will see that happens in 38 is about gaining what Israel has. All right, we talked last week that the Leviathan oil fields off the coast and natural gas fields may be the largest in the world. And they even believe it could be the headwaters to all the oil in the Middle East. Don't know if that's truth, but that's what some speculate. That's a pretty massive thing. Okay? Obviously, Turkey and Russia would love to have some of that oil or gas. They also know, I've read that the Golan Heights has found a huge, a huge surplus or, or, or field of oil underneath the Golan. It's just too deep. We're not worried about it because we got all this off the coast. We don't need it. All right? So 
Well, we go back to verse 4 of Ezekiel 38, and it talks about the hooks in the jaw. We spoke that last time that it was probably, you know, it could be the oil and natural gas, but there's some other things too that we need to think about. Israel is one of the leading players in the world now of high-tech, high-cyber high security. They're, I mean, Google, Microsoft, they've all moved over. The technology that those guys have got is just crazy. You know, they buy our, they buy our airplanes. What is it, the F-35, I believe it is, the F-35 that is the stealth fighter that we have. They buy our plane, but they strip it and put their technology in it because their technology is so much better. Okay? All right? That's what they do. They strip out the, the electronics and they put their stuff in it. All right? They have all this stuff on cybersecurity cyber and things of that nature. They're, they're leading the world in that. Their agriculture, we've already talked about that, what they're producing, what they're sending out. So many of these countries that we are talking about, so many of these countries that we are talking about, all right, are struggling to feed their people. They can't feed their people. All right? Uh, you know, we hear, we hear about the Gaza Strip, right? The Gaza Strip, over the last, I don't know, <clears throat> since 2007, I hope I don't get this number right, I mean, wrong. I think the United States has given right around $45 billion to, that's the Palestinians. Iran, who is in total support of them since 2007, you know how much they've given to the Palestinians? $20,000. $20,000. And the Palestinians, they're starving to death. <clears throat> the Palestinians have shut their own, Egypt has opened up their border uh, with Gaza, but Hamas and them will only let 40, I mean, 400 people a day leave. That's it. They're all wanting to leave. They can't. All right, so it just tells us the wickedness that's going on. The other one that I thought was really cool was fresh water. You know, they're in a drought in Israel right now, but it don't matter because Israel has just come up with a way in which they are producing fresh water from, uh, from salt water within two hours. Within two hours, it's drinkable. All right, and they're pumping it all over. All right, and so, you know, that technology that they have is, is crazy. I want to say that I read that they have got like 15, uh, uh, I don't even what you call it, distilleries now that are, that are pumping water out of the Mediterranean. Okay? So you have that. Then you also have gold reserves, which I started getting into that. don't matter, but I suppose they got a ton. They got a ton of gold uh, that, that they're sitting on top of. So Israel is a very rich country. Very rich country, and it's happened in just a very short period of time. The fig tree bloomed. God intervened. That's what we have to understand, okay? As we look at uh, Ezekiel 38 and as we see this cloud. Now, just to give you a little bit of an idea, you know, let's go on and look, let's look at six, uh, slide six. Remember I showed you all this last time. This is the coalition, and I left my pointer down there, so that's all right, but... <clears throat> You can see that they're pretty much surrounded, all right? They're pretty much surrounded, uh, and this, this coalition at some point in time is going to collapse on top of Israel. Now, in anybody's right mind, can Israel defend itself from that? Absolutely not. There's no way. So what's going to happen? God's going to get involved. He's, he told us he's going to get involved. God will get involved, and that will wake the Jewish people up. Okay, that will be one of the things that wakes them up, okay? Uh, because they'll finally see that there was no way that they could have ever 
had the success that they're going to have. And we'll talk about that a little bit later, okay? But uh, that is uh, one of the big things that will happen at the end of the Ezekiel 38 war is that the Jews will start to look towards a God again, okay? So <clears throat> as we look at this, a couple of things that uh, I just think is, is very ironic is that you start to see, and we're already seeing it around the globe, a silence from some of the other Muslim nations. There's a silence. All right? And uh, I really wasn't prepared to go into this, but I think we will. Uh, if you will go to, um, let's go ahead and look at uh, verse 13. It says, Sheba, Dedan, and the merchants of Tarshish. Okay, Sheba and Dedan is Saudi Arabia. It is Saudi Arabia, all right, Sunni Muslims. You can actually, you know, some of the Gulf states kind of fall in there with them. There's, there's some pretty extremes there also, but um, Sheba and Dedan in the lines of, of Tarshish, which I'm going to talk about them a little bit later, but I just want to throw this out to you uh, uh, so you can kind of understand where we're coming from. So it says, and all their young lines will say to you, have you come to take plunder? Now the you is Gog. Is Gog. So Saudi Arabia is saying, you're going there to take plunder? So what's missing? They're not helping them. They're not on their side. Egypt, not on their side. But they're saying, why are you going in there and doing that? They say, you know, there's an old saying, I, I guess it's a Middle Eastern proverb maybe, that the enemy of your enemy is your friend, okay? And so that's kind of what Saudi Arabia has realized is that, you know, there's been enough craziness going on and they keep seeing this one side that's not really starting anything, they're just kind of finishing it. And uh, I'm gonna, I'll get into that a lot deeper next week because I want to give you proof, I just don't want to spout off, but I want to tell you right now that there has been over the last six months major meetings between Saudi Arabia and Israel and alliances for security, okay? Because enough is enough. Saudi Arabia is scared to death of Iran. Scared to death of Iran. And, you know, they're dealing with Yemen and the problems there, and so Saudi Arabia just realizes that, okay, maybe we've been on the wrong side. We've been on the wrong side. So it tells us right here. And so once again, three years ago, you could have never said that because Saudi Arabia was on the other side. And then all of a sudden, you know, all of a sudden we start to see this turn. And um, it, it's, kind of, it's kind of funny. Um, I, don't, I don't think I shared this. Um, a lot of the prophecy teachers two years ago talked about everything in future tense. Everything's in present tense now. Nothing's in future when they, when they teach. It's all in present because of what's unfolding before us. Now, folks, why is this important? Remember I shared with you that 27% of this Bible is prophetic. For every mention of Jesus' birth, there's eight mentions of a second coming. That's important stuff. All right? Very important stuff. And, you know, I'll always say this, you know, that to me, when I read this stuff, it tells us that we should not be concerned with it. It's just a sign. It's got, it's got to show itself. It's, it's got to happen this way. All right? So don't be discouraged. 
when you hear about stories uh, coming out of the Middle East, be encouraged because I promise you it's going to play out exactly the way it was written in this Bible. We're not going to, there's not going to be a shocker. Okay? All right? So uh, I hope that made a little bit of sense. And then next week we'll get back in deep into the scripture of 38, okay? And kind of make, we'll probably backtrack just a little bit just to explain that once more. There's some pretty cool stuff on the lines of Tarshish, uh, but I've got some dates and I don't have them written down right now, so I don't want to throw them out there. Uh, that, that's happened with them also. So, uh, you know, I hope, I hope uh, it's encouraging to you. I do not want it to be, this is not doom and gloom. This is exciting. This is exciting. This is the blessed hope. This is good news. All right, it's good news. But it does tell us that we need to what? We need to be at work. We need to be at work. We don't need to be sitting on our hands, okay? Uh, and, and he shows us this. And, you know, I, I really struggle with, with, with pastors or teachers that talk about that all throughout history, every, every generation thought that their generation was the last one. Well, uh, obviously before 1948, they didn't know what they were talking about because the prophecy of the fig tree had not bloomed yet. Okay, but since then, yes. All right. And um, last thing, and I'm going to be quiet, is, um, you know, last week we were talking, or a couple weeks ago, we were talking about this generation will not pass, right? Y'all know the scripture where it says this generation will not pass. And, and I think I threw out uh, that, you know, uh, there's always been a debate on the length of a generation. It could be 50 years. It could be 60 years, 70 years, 100 years, right? Well, I got informed on that one. Go to, go to Psalms 90. It tells us that the length of a man is 70, and if he's strong, it's 80. So Moses clears that up for us in a hurry. All right? How many times have I read that? Okay? That's why I didn't want to get headbutted tonight, okay? All right? I had to remember that. Psalms 90. And I think it's 90-18, but give or take five or five or six verses either way. <laughs> All right, hey, it's great to see everybody. I, ho- I, hope, you, I hope, hope it makes sense. I hope you just don't hear babble. I hope that you actually, uh, you know, can look at this and, and maybe see it a little differently. Uh, well, I, I can, okay, that's awesome. Well, one thing that I am, that we are doing is uh, this will be podcast. So we'll have it. And then the other thing is we're, I'm teaching this in Sunday school. And uh, it's all, we've got all, well, it's all, we're recording it all, okay? And uh, really for me, so I remember what I've said, but, uh, uh, you know, because you just get lost. I mean, it, there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff. You know, you start studying this stuff, it's kind of like, you know, drinking water from a fire hose at times and uh, trying to keep it all straight. But, uh, yeah, uh, I think that uh, just, it's just, you know, and like I said, this is all stuff that I learned from other folks. It's not anything, you know, and, and that's why I always want to show you pictures and, and, and want to reference uh, so you know that it's just not somebody just talking off the cuff, okay? So, anyhow, I hope you have a great week. Uh, invite somebody to church, okay? Uh, uh, tell somebody about Jesus, and uh, you'll be blessed for it, okay? All right, here we go.